This is Mindset for Success with your host, Dr. Leslie Knudsen. Each week, she will interview women entrepreneurs to explore the unconscious psychological struggles they faced as they build their businesses and how they overcame them. Here's your host, Leslie Knudsen. I'm very happy to welcome today's guest, Leanne Neville. Leanne is a startup as CFO and CPA with over 30 years of experience advising founders and scaling high-profile prof- startups. Leanne is originally from Boston, however, currently lives in the Bay Area and works bi-coastally in both the Bay Area and Boston as the chief financial officer and market growth leader for her firm. Leanne graduated with a bachelor's in business administration from the Eisenberg School of Management at the University of Massachusetts at Amherst. Leanne started her career at PricewaterCoopers, received her CPA certification, and was a manager in the emerging technology practice. Subject to her tenure at uh, Pricewaterhouse, she worked at numerous startups in a wide range of industries, ranging from consumer product, software, SAS, lot and e-commerce. In her role as a startup CFO, she partners with founders to raise capital, develop financial projections and CPIs, liaisons with investors and boards, and leads the financial function to scale infrastructure for rapid growth. It is a particular passion of lands to mentor and support female founders. She's an active advisory board member and founding investor in Women Global Studio, a mentor and business plan judge to the Female Founders Fellowship of the Capital Network, and a moving member of Chief. She's excited to do more to encourage women to be at the helm, to move forward, and to actively support other women to start companies that will change the gender and racial disparity in existence today. Welcome, Leanne. Hi, Leslie. Thank you so much. Would you start and by telling us a little bit about yourself and your career path? Sure. Um, so as you mentioned, I'm a chief financial officer um, now, and I, um, but I kind of started out in uh, public accounting at PricewaterhouseCoopers and then quickly bought the startup bug. Um, I, I guess my background, I, I grew up in a fairly small coastal town um, south of Boston, Massachusetts, and I was the only girl of six brothers. Mm. <laughs> so, um, it was a bit uh, crazy. A lot of boys. Uh, a lot of boys. Um, my father was a surgeon, but he was an avid boater, so I spent you know most of my summers you know, boating, fishing, um, you know, obviously life with brothers was pretty active and I kept right up and was expected to. Um, you know, I, I, I was the only girl, but I was always treated equally. Like my father really, um, expected, you know, me to, to do the same as the boys to, I had to hear the same, you know, lectures, life lessons and have a very strong work ethic. I couldn't sit still. If I sat still, I would be given a job, mm-hmm. <laughs> like a weed yeah. or something. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, and I learned to drive a boat, you know, before I could drive a car. Mm-hmm. But basically, I mean, ultimately, he really taught me that I deserve to be at the helm of the boat just as much as my brothers. So mm-hmm. I could do anything that they could do, and I would be expected to. 
and often I, I did it better. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think it really taught me that value of confidence and, um, you know, believing in yourself and, you know, just taking risks. And I think really encouraged me to go off and, you know, go to school for business and um, have a have a career and to do, you know, anything that, that you know, the boys could do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, but yet I, I, I always have, I have this distinct, you know, memory of, but I was not one of the boys. It was okay. I had this, you know, unique femininity to me or I was the only girl. I had that special place, you know, um, and it was also, you know, celebrated that I was, you know, unique in that way and that I was, I was feminine, but could also be, you know, rough and tumble with the boys. Mm-hmm. You could have the same expectations, but you could still sort of hold, hold on to being a girl with all the boys. Who I was, yeah, who exactly. you were, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. and that and and you were treated all the same, but you knew that you it was okay to be you. Yeah, yeah, and I and I was always had you know the same you know through college, and I had this expectation that I would I would do really well, and I wanted to to be better. I, I think it's. You know, I remember in college, I, I wanted to, you know, have better grades than my brothers, and I wanted to, you know, get that great job, and, um, you know, and I, it's, it's, it's funny, like, you know, I, I think that really drove me, just to, to have that. It drove you, you know, to be, to to be competitive. Proud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And to make him proud and to be, to be you know, competitive, if not better. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that is still a driver, or you, it's cha- It's sort of developed as, you, of course, you've gotten successful and had your own life. It's changed? Yeah. I think it's definitely changed. You know, I don't feel like I have that to prove anymore. It's just, um, I, you know, although, I mean, I still hold myself to high standards, and but I, I and I've got those, you know, values are part mm-hmm. of my core values, but I don't, mm-hmm. I don't, I feel like I've, <laughs> I don't have that necessarily to prove anymore. You talk about how startups come with risk. How have you learned to identify when the impact from risk is too much, maybe on your personal life or mental health? Um, and how have you sort of learned how to identify it and mentor it even um, and moving through in that kind of risky first phase of the startup? Yeah, I, I feel like there's definitely, on a personal level, been times where I've, I've felt a bit of a setback at a startup where I feel very overwhelmed with everything, trying to manage the stress of a startup, which is sort of, for someone who's worked in startups or anyone else who has as well, mm-hmm. that you know, adrenaline rush, that it's a risk, but it's, a, it's, you know, that exciting adrenaline rush. But at times, it really comes at a cost to your personal life because, you know, it, it, you get really overwhelmed with trying to balance, you know, you know, work, marriage, self, you know, mm-hmm, questioning mm-hmm. yourself of, am I, am I enough? You know, am, am I doing anything else, real, any, any one thing really good, right? Um, and I think you have to, you know, realize that you are enough and you, you're doing the best you can. You, you definitely have to set boundaries and take care of yourself. Mm-hmm. And realize, you know, it's okay to be number one. You know, sometimes you can't always be last, although that's you know a constant struggle. I think. Right, right. <laughs> but, and a lot of work. Uh, 
yeah, and I think that at times, I think you asked, I think what you asked too is, how do you know, um, you know, where, did you ask, where, like, how do you know when it's time to... When, it, when the impact from, from sort of having that risk is, is not so good for you. Yeah, I, I think it's when you, when you realize it's not serving your, you know, your core values, if you will, mm-hmm. if, and, um, you know, it's, there's times that I think in my career when I realize, okay, it's time to move on when I see that I don't have, I'm not finding the same meaning as my, in my work that I should or that others mm-hmm. are, um, in that environment. And, and I think it's good at that point to realize, you know, this is not healthy for me or this is not where I'm meant to be and it's okay to, to move on. Mm-hmm. Have you ever experienced the imposter syndrome when you felt inadequate or not like uh, not worthy? And if so, how did you learn to overcome this? Oh yeah, I mean, I've definitely felt that at times, and I, I think a really large percentage of you know successful women have likely experienced that. For and sure, I I, rec- I I definitely recall you know sitting in a boardroom um, of VC backed startups, you know, board meeting. All male CEO, you know, all males, the CEO, investors, some very high-profile, intimidating venture capitalists. You know, it was it was tough, and I remember, um, you know, it really trying hard to portray that confidence. And you know, it, it's okay. I guess what I had to step back and think of, you know, is confidence doesn't always mean competence. And it's really easy for a room full of men to portray that confidence. That's what mm-hmm. they're, mm-hmm. that's culture. That's what they're used to. They're used to like faking it until they're making it, you know, they make mm-hmm. it. And so, uh, you know, I'm just as confident. You have to remind yourself, I'm just a, as confident as all of these men. And so I need to portray that because what I put out, you know, in the world is what's going to, you know, come back to me. So, you know, I, I definitely worked very hard to portray that, that confidence. Um, even if you, you didn't know, necessarily and, have it? Even if you didn't oh, yeah. necessarily have uh-huh. Okay, okay. <laughs> yes. Um, because at the end of the day, only you can make yourself feel like you don't, that you're not confident, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, and so I, I think that a lot of that imposter syndrome feeling, it's not, the women who have to fix it, like even though I want to portray that confidence, so I'm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in that way, it's not something wrong with me. It's it's the environment and the, and the culture that doesn't expect us to be there at that boardroom table and mm-hmm, doesn't expect mm-hmm. us to be or at the helm or, you know. And I think what really needs to be fixed is if we foster, you know, the equality, then there'll be less women that experience that. But for, you know, I, I've definitely been in that situation and just had to remind myself that again like the world will treat me and perceive me the way I expect to be treated so I have to sit there and be confident that I deserve to be here mm-hmm. which and is sort of like how it was growing up for you too with yeah, your father yes, right yes. it's right, totally right. it's totally that experience yeah like I, I'm uh, yeah I'm okay mm-hmm. <laughs> right and your expectations uh, come off of you feeling like you 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 belong or you fit in, right? Exactly. And you know, and I guess I guess it's also you know you belong, but I I realized over time it's it's not it's okay not to entirely fit in, right? Mm-hmm. Like for sure, 
yeah, and I think that, you know, you can be uniquely, you know, yourself and competent and not necessarily be, you know, fit in. We, we don't want to expect everyone to be the same and have the bad mm-hmm. like the same backgrounds mm-hmm. and experiences and, so for a, a young, ambitious entrepreneur who's worried that they don't fit in, what would you say about that? I, I don't, I think you should embrace what doesn't make you fit in, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you're, 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 you know, an entrepreneur because you're trying to change the world and uh, people that make change like that don't often fit in, are, are very different and have very unique ideas. And so I think it's okay. I think that, um, you know, I wasn't, quote, one of the boys, and I, I, it's okay. And I think that for an entrepreneur, you know, I don't think you should strive to fit in. I think you should strive to realize that I deserve to be here, and I am enough, and I am confident. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily think we all need to fit in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. As a CPA first and now as a CFO, um, you've worked a lot with men over the years. Did you feel like one of the boys because of having grown up with the six brothers and did that change? It sounds like maybe it did. And what do you think some of the strengths that men have in business and women have as well? I, I think it definitely helped me because I wasn't so sensitive. <laughs> to right. So some, uh, you know, behaviors. I think that... Um, and, and I could, you know, hold my own, and I was more confident around around that. But I think that men are really, because of the culture, they are like like we said, really good at you know faking it till they make it and having that mm-hmm. that confidence because that's culturally what's accept you know acceptable and accepted of you know mm-hmm. of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think you know that's you know inherently helpful. Because mm-hmm. when you project that, you're going to receive that back. Mm-hmm. I, I think that, um, you know, women are really good at being, you know, transparent and open and honest because they're probably not spending so much trying to, time trying to fake it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, they're really trying it's a great to point. prove themselves. Mm-hmm. So I feel like when you look at the statistics of how, you know, female-run businesses are, are more successful in a lot of ways, I think it's because of that honesty and transparency. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think, and, and that there's just that confidence that they're not just trying to fake it. And, and I think also I've, I've noted a lot, noticed a lot of female founders are not afraid to say what they don't know, and they'll surround themselves with really smart, knowledgeable people. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's more coll- it's more collaborative work than um, trying to you know project this image of I, I know it all or I'm I'm you know. Um, so in some know, ways, I can handle this all. So in some ways, the transparency makes the the at least from from your perspective in terms of the founders you've met makes these women more um, credible. Yeah, yeah, and they're more collaborative, which is obviously a better way to get, mm-hmm. you know, idea work done and, and you know new and innovative ideas across is by bringing in lots of different, you know, um, mindsets. 
Diversity, yeah. Yeah. Are there things that you think women are strong at? Women in business can be strong at setting up their own businesses? I mean, we're just so resilient. <laughs> I think we're just so resilient at juggling things and managing stress and, um, you know, multiple things coming at us. I mean, we're multitaskers. And I mm-hmm. think that's mm-hmm. such, a, such a valuable, you know, thing at a startup. And that can-do spirit, which, again, you did with your brothers, your six six brothers and your dad and skiing and whatever else you did that you can do. Right. Lots of different stuff. For right. some women, it's another, hard. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, no. I was saying, I think another thing, a good thing, is what they, I know she was talking about my dad again. He always said to me is, what's the worst that can happen? I mean, I think that we have sort of had to be, a lot of women have had to be more scrappy over their careers. So it's, it's that you have, you always kind of go back to that mindset is what's the worst that can happen. I'm going to try this. And you know, if, if what you can visualize is the worst that can happen, if you try it, isn't that bad, then why not take that risk? And I think mm-hmm. a lot of women over their careers have had to do that again and again. And so it's, it's, you know, you kind of think, well, what do I have to lose? Right. Right, right. And you, you personally have experienced that over your career, being able to sort of say what's the worst that can happen? Oh, yeah, definitely. Because, mm-hmm. you know, things are, sometimes things are scary and you take on some, some you know, I, I, I remember taking on my new role as in business development and I, I had that sort of imposter feeling or self-doubt feeling creep in and I just kind of reminded myself, well, what's the worst that can happen? You mm-hmm. know, I just, it's okay if I, if I don't do well with that. And there's plenty of other things that I'm good at and I've, I already have a great career. So, you know, why not go for it? Mm-hmm. Would you consider yourself someone who does, who thinks outside the box? Yes, but not always. I feel like because I'm a finance person, sometimes, uh, you know, you can't, but, I do always try to think outside the box and think of the big picture. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think that that's an asset, at least for you? Yeah, yeah, yeah definitely. And what makes it an asset? I think that um, I think it's an asset because if you think out, think outside the box, you bring in a lot of different perspectives. You think outside of your own, you know, narrow way of thinking. Uh, and you bring it, you can think about other ideas or uh, bring in other perspectives. I think it's always important to, to be collaborative and run by ideas with other people because often it's, it's amazing just what get, get, you know, getting other perspectives will do for, for you and for an idea. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And to unblock things too at, at a certain point. Right, right. For some women, it can be hard to ask for what they deserve. Has this ever happened to you? And if so, how did you overcome it? And what can you recommend to our young listeners on how to do this better? Yeah, I mean, I've definitely struggled with that. I think, I mean, specifically for me around compensation, mm-hmm. I think that's a really, it's a hard thing for women, a lot of women that I know to, to wrestle with. 
um, and to ask for what they deserve because there is such a disparity in what you know some women are getting paid versus men in you know very similar positions. And so, you know, there's there's definitely been times where I've been really afraid to ask and I've kind of gotten myself over it by saying, saying like, what's the worst that can happen? I'm not going to get it. Or, but you can't get what you don't ask for. And somebody Mm -hmm. said that to me once. And I really think that's important. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, don't undervalue yourself. I think a lot of, you know, us try to say, well, but I took time out here or I, you know, I don't have this experience. And I bet that, you know, a male in your same position wouldn't self-justify or, you know, self-sabotage those, mm-hmm. themselves when it came to compensation. So I, I, there's, a t- there's been a time where I was like, you know what, I'm going to ask for, for this, and it, it worked out really well. I was, wow, I, I asked for more than I thought I was going to get, and I got it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, it can't, it can't hurt to, to ask. Um, you're not going to get what you don't ask for. And mm-hmm. then there was another situation where, I, I was working with a CEO who was actually, it was a bit disappointing because it was a female founder. Mm-hmm. And we, because of my role, I actually, you know, got to see all of the, the grant refreshes for our management mm-hmm. team. And, which is a strange situation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right, right. I, I wasn't, I wasn't happy with mine. I didn't think it was fair because it wasn't really aligned with some of my uh, male counterparts. And I decided that I was either going to let this bother me and it was going to make me feel undervalued or not, you know, really upset. Um, or I could discuss it and have a conversation. So mm-hmm. it was really hard, but I had the tough conversation and I was afraid because I thought, well, what if I hear something I don't want to hear? Like, well, you're not as valuable or something that was right, going to right. upset me. But I thought, you know, at the end of the day, if I'm not valued there, then I don't want to be there. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so I had the tough conversation, and what was really fascinating to me is the reason that it was lower was because she thought that the, you know, the the VCs, the board, wouldn't value that role as much. Mm-hmm. And so it was really fascinating and eye opening, and so I. You know, I, I got it negotiated up, but I, I still, you know, not right then, but at the end of the day, left at some point because I realized that, you know, this is an environment that's not fostering that humility mm-hmm. mm-hmm. and that, you know, um, it, it's really like emphasizing that imposter syndrome situation. And so I, I, so I realized like, yeah, this is not really the best place for me, but that's okay. So good about it and I feel good that I had a hard conversation and I negotiated for myself and that you could see not to personalize it although I'm sure that probably didn't occur to you at the very beginning um, and to see that it really sort of you know perpetuates the you know is was it because you were CFO or you were female CFO (laughs) you know I mean well exactly exactly Mm -hmm. but good that you can I'm going to say de-escalate it and be able to kind of walk it back and just uh, be angry, but also be acknowledged, but also acknowledge that um, it's not about you. It's about, right. in this case, about her or her fantasies or her real, real understanding of the board. Exactly. Well, and it almost just made me more feel sorry for her that, 
you know, wow, she has this amazing opportunity to advocate for herself and women. And, you know, even she's struggling with these things. Right. Right. Believe it or not, Leanne, we have to stop. It's been um, yeah. really interesting to hear what you have to say. I really appreciate your time. For our listeners who want to find more about you, where would they go to find a, find more about you? So um, you can go to www.countsy.com or on my LinkedIn profile at Leanne Neville. Okay, great. Thank you again for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.